Introduction. Radical change is possible. The drapes over the windows and doors hung, torn and sagging like the souls of everyone in the dimly lit home that night. I had never met the man who sat across from me. He stretched out to hand me the clear glass pipe freshly loaded with crystal methamphetamine. I took a hit, and in a moment, the drug's rush was quickly followed by crushing condemnation. I could touch and taste the evil in that dark room. Demons dropped their disguise and went all out. My mind was being assaulted by cruel and vile words. You're done, you piece of garbage. Call yourself a Christian, but you know, Carl, what a complete loser you are. Quit pretending to have found God. If people knew the real you, they'd trash you and your weak God. How God pulled off what happened next, I'll never fully understand. He gave me the strength to bolt from that place. As I ran through the room, I didn't know if I'd get tackled or shot. At this point, I didn't care. I just had to get out of there. When I crashed through the front door, I was running for my immediate safety, but really, I was trying to outrun my shame. That two-mile stretch of road to find some sanity and security was a blur. God was carrying me, but Satan talked my ear off, telling me I was unredeemable and deserved to die. Opening the front door to the place I was staying, I shuffled quietly to my bedroom, falling to my knees. The shame blanketed me. I could barely breathe. I was starting to believe some wars couldn't be won. The predictions of family and friends that I'd never really changed were coming true. One last thought dropped in my mind. There's nothing new about you. Heaving in tears, I asked God to go ahead and kill me. It was a classic descent into darkness. I had knocked off from work on a Friday after framing the walls of a new health club. It had been a long, hot day in Central California. Saying yes to getting some cool drinks at a nearby place seemed innocent enough. But for me, I had just ascended a dangerous slide and slipped down its slick, steep surface. This never ended well for me. Predictable stiff drinks followed those cool drinks, and I was primed for whatever would come my way. Within hours, I was in one of the darkest places and darkest times of my life. In all my bottoming out, I had never gone this low, but to do it now was shattering. Just three weeks prior, I was delivered from my prison of self, transformed by the power of God. This shameful night happened after the light of Jesus had shined into the darkness of my soul and saved my life. There was no question that God had changed me before this horrible event. After years of running from God, all while faking it for family and friends who loved me, God asked me, are you done yet? I was so done. I was only 23 years old, but I had already exhausted the possibility that alcohol, cocaine, and more workplace acclaim could fill the God-shaped void in my life. In a moment, God changed me. I wept tears of joy. The sun was brighter. The sky was bluer. I finally experienced what it meant to be born all over again. My new life was breathtaking. But there I was, a three-week-old failed follower of Jesus. I'd just moved to a new town to get a fresh start and be mentored by my uncle. Now here I was starting to buy the lie that life would never really change for me. Evil was taunting me with this one thought. 
You might be a child of God, but some of your battles just can't be won. This book is about winning your biggest battles. It's about believing God's promises and resolving to follow his plan for embracing them. It's about overcoming what is defeating you. Becoming a child of God means beating addictions, altering destructive behaviors, and killing bad habits that you've grown accustomed to or possibly written off as unwinnable. It's time to come alive. The seven resolutions can serve as your agreement with God to give him full control and discover that the toughest battles can be won. Never measure God and his power to change you by your current standard of living. This standard is far more than financial. It's emotional, relational, spiritual, professional, every aspect of life. If you have truly believed that Jesus both died for your sins and came up out of the grave and lives today, and if you have turned around 180 degrees to follow him, you already know the path you walk has plenty of challenges. But the promises and extravagant abundance of life in Christ are inestimable. For example, you've been given access to every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1.3. You are empowered by God to experience the unimaginable, Ephesians 3.20. You have received the spirit of power, love, and sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. You are uniquely designed by God to do great work, Ephesians 2.10. You have been chosen and destined to bear much fruit, John 15.16. You are free in Christ and no longer a slave to sin, Galatians 5.1. You are dead to your old life and alive in Christ, Galatians 2.20. You can now be strengthened and matured through trials, James 1.4. All of that is true, but a problem has to be addressed. There seems to be a gap, often a big one, between God's promises for Christ followers and what we actually experience in our day-to-day lives. These gaps are too common. God's promised peace versus our consistent stress. God's promised wisdom for trials versus our flying blind through life storms. God's promised victory over destructive habits versus our hiding those things that are robbing, killing, and destroying us. God wants to close those gaps. God is never content to let us settle for too little. We sometimes get a taste of what could be, and then we slip back into old patterns of living. God's promises seem just out of reach. Sometimes we settle for too little because we compare ourselves to others and conclude we're not doing that bad. This comparison then holds us in a place of compromise, never taking the higher road and opting for less. I know the destructive thinking that rattles around in your mind. And I also know what God says about you. I know the brutal battles you fight on that barren land between the bait of Satan and the promises of God. And I also know what it feels like faking aspects of your faith, trying and failing to manage your sin and and hiding in your pain and shame. You feel desperate for it to stop right now. But the solution is far bigger than yourself. A radical shift in thinking may be in order here. The solution has nothing to do with our own strength. Self-help is a threat to God's children. The temptation to fight our battles in our strength and not with Holy Spirit power dates back to the fall. 2,000 years ago, Paul chastised 
a church for self-help lifestyles. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Galatians 3.3. We too start off utterly dependent on the Spirit. But for multiple reasons, we shift onto tracks of self-help. The word flesh represents all we can muster apart from God's Spirit, and it will never cut it. People are sinking under the weight of human efforts. The phrase, God helps those who helps themselves, has its own Wikipedia page. By the statistics, it would appear that many of God's kids believe this is probably true. 52% of adults who call themselves Christian accept a works-oriented means to God's acceptance. Even more troubling is that 70% of Catholics, 46% of Pentecostals, 44% of Protestants and 41% of evangelicals believe a person can qualify for heaven by being or doing good. Anecdotally, most people I've talked with who believe solidly in sola fide, faith alone, don't always live like it's true. They find it all too common to slip into a mindset that their worth is linked to their performance. Self-help is more than a spiritual irritation. It's a battle they want to win. Self-help, as defined by Merriam-Webster, is the action or process of bettering oneself or overcoming one's problems without the aid of others. Living like this is actually a double whammy. It cuts us off from both God and his children, fellow believers God put in our lives to help us. The dynamic spiritual life is a team sport. Our individual God-given skills, talents, creativity, and ingenuity have been leaned on to a fault and led us to a fabulous dead end. Even though God is calling us to acknowledge Him in all our ways, we are too often leaning on our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We sing about trusting God, but we live like we're trusting self. This brand of Christianity will only stay the same if we do more of the same. A radical shift must happen. Like a train a switchman guides from one set of tracks to another, we need to be redirected from any attempt at helping ourselves and shifted to experience God's power moment by moment. Living in God's power is the only path forward that doesn't end in exhaustion, tragic compromise, or ruin. I'm inviting you to an adventure. I want to help you get off the self-help train and ride the winds of God's power. That's why I've written the seven resolutions. The seven resolutions are seven core disciplines to help you trust God and not rely on your own strength. These disciplines are core because God repeatedly features the value of each in Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, and the promises attached to each of them are nothing short of breathtaking. These resolutions will provide lasting help to you in areas of your life where you could never help yourself. Although not easy to hear or apply, they are solidly biblical, clearly actionable, and captured in a way to help you fully live in God's power. This is about getting off the self-help train and redirecting yourself to get aligned with God, prevailing over the gates of hell and silencing the legions of voices of evil is totally in step with God's purpose for your life. You want it, but in your strength, you simply can't get it. 
God is ready and eager to do with you what you can't do by yourself. You just have to ask. You're not the only person who wrestles deeply with personal failings and feeling like a spiritual imposter. By God's grace, I'm no longer the man I was in that dark place and time as a new follower of Jesus. The battle that almost caused me to quit now seems like a distant memory. God won the war over cocaine, whiskey, and deadly choices. And to do it, he conquered Satan and my tendency to think victory is up to me. He wants to do the same for you, no matter what you battle. For over 20 years, I've had a personal mission statement for my life that is the why for writing this book. I exist to inspire a spiritual revolution within the church that reaches the world. I'm sold out to my calling and confident of God's power to ignite a spiritual revolution in your life. I'm confident you'll see God overthrow those negative forces that have governed and diminished your life. For most of my adult life, I've enjoyed learning how to take hold of God's promises personally. But the adrenaline rush of helping others experience radical transformation is an equal thrill. I've learned some from my victories, but my most profound learning has been through my failures. Being forced to test God's truth through the highs of sustained spiritual revivals, the slog of common personal sin, and the lows of relational betrayal has been a good teacher. I've had to face my brokenness in the mirror of reality and watch God take me to the end of myself, strategically positioned for life change. After 35 years of frontline ministry, you learn a bit about how people change. Through cross-cultural ministry in Asia and South Africa, leading a thriving church of thousands of people in Alaska, and hearing from some of the 250,000 people who listen weekly to the radio show I've been privileged to host on weekday mornings in Chicago, I've seen what true discipleship looks like and how taking hold of God's promises happens. Being a disciple or follower of Christ is not a name to claim, a class to take, or rules to follow. It's a total and complete surrender of your life to the one who makes all things new. It's courageous, honest, brutal, countercultural, and above all, humble. God has given me a unique vantage point to watch his power transform individuals and groups of people. I've had the joy of learning what first steps to give thousands of new Christ followers who didn't know where to go. Through a handful of young evangelists in remote Talisai, Batangas, Philippines, God taught me more about perseverance and overcoming persecution than I ever could have learned stateside. I learned the power of prayer in a thriving single adult ministry in Arkansas. And now I'm seeing the power of unity in a diverse young church in the heart of Chicago whose people prove that clinging to God and each other is beautiful. All these settings have allowed me a high-definition view of truly becoming new, and I believe it will help you. My bride of 34 years, Janan, had a little project for me at the end of one Christmas season. Fix a few broken tree ornaments that had lost their heads in various other parts so we could put them away whole. I placed a drop of glue at the break point and pressed the pieces together. The only question I had was, what it hold? After the prescribed time, I gave it a bump. It seemed stable, so I twisted a little more firmly. Snap. 
Wouldn't you know the original fix held firm? But another area of weakness was exposed. That's your life and mine. We have broken pieces and areas of weakness that God is healing and putting back together. And even though we won't be entirely whole until we cross over to the other side, God wants to redeem, restore, and revitalize the ugliest and most broken parts of us. I'm so confident that God can overhaul the most demanding challenges, habitual failings, and your deepest pains that I don't want you to focus on a rather small flaw in your life. Go big. Give God something that's broken. Give him the hidden mess, the worst parts of you. Put truth to the test. Change is possible. Watch God overthrow what has been broken for years with seven resolutions that will launch your life into a new spiritual orbit. Believe God to do what you haven't been able to achieve through your best efforts. Come out of the shadows of shame and trust God to heal what has been hidden. Give God the ugliest, most unseemly and shattered pieces of your life. You know you can't fix it, and he's up to the challenge.